Hello and welcome to another rousing edition of Trending Topics with BB. I am your humble host, Brooke Brown, hence the BB. Well, we are back for another exciting episode with a returning guest. But before I introduce this lovely guest, I do want to remind you about leaving a comment and rating anywhere you're listening to this podcast that you can. If you're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and so forth, it helps this podcast be found by other listeners and I appreciate everybody that is leaving ratings out there. Uh, thank you for listening to this podcast. Along those lines, I do want to clear up a few uh, instances where people have asked me on social media about the Patreon. Uh, the Patreon is a great way to build the community surrounding this podcast. So if you've not logged on, please log on to patreon.com slash ttwithvivi. But there, uh, soon I'm going to be releasing bonus episodes that'll have a music history theme because I want to dive deep into specific songs and albums and artists. But the only place you'll be able to get access to those episodes is if you become a patron on Patreon. So please log on and become a patron and you will be receiving updates regarding those bonus episodes. Thank you. All right. So like I mentioned, I have a returning guest. He was actually one of my first guests on this podcast in 2015. Uh, so it's been a long time coming to have him return. But since he's been working and doing some great stuff during the pandemic for people within his industry, I thought it'd be time to catch up. I'm talking about superstar DJ Ross, or Ross, wherever uh, you may have seen him, DJ uh, around the world. We talk about a lot of interesting projects, like I mentioned, of his, as well as kind of remind you of some topics that we talked about on the first episode was, like I said, in 2015. So you have to go back in the catalog of episodes to find uh, that original episode, which was still one of my favorites. So without further ado, I'll give you my lovely chat with superstar DJ Rose. Okay, well, welcome back to the podcast. First and foremost, thank you for joining me again. Um, as I talked about in the pre-show, it's been since 2015 since we last spoke uh, on right. the pod. And a lot has happened since then, both in both of our careers, but with this podcast. So I wanted to welcome you back. And for those that are, I have new listeners, and for those that haven't heard, uh, kind of talk about you as a DJ and and your your brand and kind of how I think we met uh, because back in the day I used to be a new kids fan and you were DJing one of their right. parties. Remember? Yep. Uh, so kind of talk about kind of your background so it lets the new listeners kind of get to know you a little bit more. Right. Well. I'm really happy to be back on the show. My name is DJ Rose, uh, professionally known as Superstar DJ Rose, and lifelong DJ. I've been DJing uh, professionally now. I was, I was thinking about it the other day. My first, um, <laughs> my first residency was 1993, so it's been a uh, it's been a 27-year uh, professional route. Even though I've been DJing my entire life, and for me, um, I'm kind of hard to. To, to pin down, I'm a multi-hyphenate, so of course I'm a DJ, uh, touring DJ, uh, DJ with uh, Beyonce on the Dangerously in Love tour, uh, used to be Christina Milian's um, tour DJ, music director, I've toured the world uh, on my own, every continent except for Africa, which I was headed towards until COVID. Um, 
I am a mentor, DJ mentor. So I have a, a class uh, for DJs, a DJ business class. I have a, a book coming out uh, later on this year about the DJ business. Uh, the film is still on the way. It's just in a different form, and we'll talk about it a little bit. And um, the most recent addition is I actually have an album coming uh, January 1st, which was something that was totally unexpected, but creativity by COVID. So it's kind of hard to pin me down, but uh, a little anything to do with entertainment and the uh, the DJ world, uh, I've been a part of it for the last 30 years. That's amazing. And I, you know, I've been following you for years and every time I check, you got this new project. And I, when I first, when you first reached out to me about uh, your DJ classes and like right. kind of the course you're doing. Okay. So you, you mentioned your book and your course. Now is the book a memoir and a how-to for those that are aspiring DJs, or is it going to be strictly a how-to and the business of it all? It's going to be more the latter. It definitely is a DJ business book. Um, one of the things that has, has been interesting about COVID is that because I was about to head out on tour in Korea and uh, Brazil, and those were canceled because of the, of the virus, of course, Korea was hit for us. So I could see what was happening. And then, you know, hopefully it wouldn't hit the U.S., but then um, it hit us. And then everything here was canceled. Then Brazil was canceled shortly afterwards. So I'm just in the house, you know, and can't gig uh, here or um, elsewhere. And I was just like trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I started going back through these notes that I had for the book that I started um, in an idea in principle 10 years ago. And the more I looked at the notes, the more I realized that it was time since everyone was stationary to really reorganize this book and take a different approach. So having all the other DJ books in the industry and realizing that they were how-tos on how to hook up equipment and the history of DJing, I wanted to position my book, How to Be a Million Dollar DJ, differently as strictly a DJ business book. So that's what it is. And interestingly enough, because everyone was on their phones and stationary, it made sense to actually bring the book to life by creating the class as a companion piece. I think it's, it's brilliant specifically because you said that nobody's really gigging or some in Europe, but I don't think they should be at this point, but that's a whole nother topic. Right. Um, so it's great. So it's, it's more just how did the first round of it? Cause I know you had one round and then you're, you're about to start another round with another group of students, other DJs out there. So how did the first round go? Uh, well, actually, we uh, the first round is done. The second round, we're um, we're one class away from being done with that one as well. So it, it's six weeks each time, and I think the most gratifying part about it because I, I've never actually taught a class, um, you know, virtually or in, in person. This is the first first go for me, and the thing that's been the most gratifying is people come into the class expecting one thing, and by the time they get into it they realize it's an entirely different thing because what I think is most important and the, and the thing that I'm proudest about is this particular course, it not only brings the book to life, but it also allows for uh, lifetime coaching for every student. So not only do they have the class uh, instruction and, and the homework, but they also have mentoring um, strategy sessions with me uh, as many times as they want. And, and there's an accountability partner that they've been assigned that's uh, another student that's in the course and they work together to make sure that they're really meeting all their goals and they're staying focused and staying dis disciplined. So it has just exceeded every expectation that I um, 
that I ever had. And the next step, of course, is to make the um, the book an audio book, and that'll be later on next year. And then also to make sure that um, these courses are something that, that I can actually graduate to YouTube. So if a person doesn't necessarily um, have the time or the resources to actually take the full course, they can get tidbits from the YouTube snippets. So it's been, it's just been a great odyssey for me. I've never done anything like it and it's been very satisfying. That's awesome. Well, and you, and then you mentioned kind of in the intro a little bit about you've had a 27 year career. So it kind of, kind of makes sense. You would kind of go down this more mentorship path because you can offer a lot of wisdom because you've seen it all basically. Yeah. Yeah. That that's important because here's the thing for me, where I stand in my career, when I really started going down the list, because when you have to sit down and I will, I will tell your listeners this, this is the first time that I've ever literally sat down as a DJ for an extended Mm -hmm. period of time. I haven't, I've never done that. Um, And I, you have to be careful to not look at things that happen in your life as detriments. Sometimes there's the opportunity, um, in what can seem to be a calamity at first. And in this instance, there definitely were so many blessings, uh, as long as I stay healthy, that came out of COVID that, um, you know, as much as I would have rather this not happen to the world, of course, I decided to take the lemons and make lemonade. So the course I think is probably the most gratifying because of that very reason. I've done everything. I've been a gospel DJ uh, on radio. I've been a quiet storm DJ. I've been a mix show DJ. I've been a program director, music director, uh, tour DJ, club DJ, uh, wedding DJ, roller skating rink DJ. (laughs) There's not many things that I I can't say that um, I haven't done in this industry uh, other than like, you know, hard rock or something like that. But even with open format, I've, I've weaved that in there. So I guess you can check that off as well. But it is it has been one of the greatest experiences is to take all of that experience and, and all of that uh, information and turn it into something that can help someone to make sure that they don't make mistakes and they don't waste time and, and they can expedite uh, scaling their business. I love it. And I think the one thing to take away for the listeners is that in this world where everybody wants to be a DJ, they forget that there's the business side of it and the yeah. behind the scenes that I've learn from you and a lot of other of my guests, because as you know, I'm kind of, I'm really into electronic music side of things. So I've talked to some other well-known DJs on this podcast and kind of learned from them. And it's just interesting to see. And I also learned, because I went to Winter Music Conference in Miami Mm. in 2019. And the one takeaway I got from the conference with the way the industry has gone is that there's the art of DJing is pretty much lost unless there's those few and f- the ones that I respect like yourself and some and specifically in electronic that like love just playing music and not focusing on the product. Not that production isn't important. That's a whole nother topic. But what I'm saying is I feel like the industry is not respecting DJing because it's about what gets played and what's popular and who can, you know sell out a club or a festival more than it is the music so I think it's great that you're kind of teaching both aspects and you have wisdom to provide to those that are just like well this looks glamorous and fun but there's more more to it than that right and and the great thing about the last thing you said there's a chapter in the book that's titled the art of falling off and the one thing that new DJs don't realize Every single popular DJ you've ever seen that's had a long career 
has had a winter in their career, every single one of us. They've had a season where the gigs are a little drier, uh, where they're not as popular, where people that they may have assisted or um, you know, they, they saw on the horizon as competition are having their moment in the sun. It happens to every single person. It's happened to me. And I think the most important part of what you just said is the book allows the DJ to have the curtain pulled all the way back. And I'm not just selling your sunshine. I'm basically telling you, uh, if you're gonna make a career out of this, some of the things that are guaranteed that you're going to expect. So I'm glad that you said that last part because yeah, the way people view DJing and the way even DJs view DJing has changed dramatically. And I, I think, you know, we've, we've like I said, we've, we've known each other for a long time now, but yeah. uh, you've probably seen me evolve as a person and then kind of see what I wanted to do within the music industry, which is why I'm, you know, pursuing and want to learn more about things within the industry from people such as yourself and others. Because as I, I, I'm passionate about music, I also know it's part of me that realizes there's more to it than just what people think a DJ or a producer does or, you know, what the final product comes out. There's more that goes into it the more right. I learn. So I think it's great that you're doing these mentorship courses and stuff you can provide to those that are just see people on TV or on Instagram and think, oh, that's my life. Right. So I guess to go from here, so you've done, you're, you're finishing up the second course, which is six weeks. Uh, right. And then the book and the auto book, I, I'm excited for the audio book because um, I'll definitely check that out. So we kind of touched on it a little bit. Like I said, the last time we spoke on the podcast, you were working on a documentary. Um, right. so, so what is the status of your documentary? The interesting thing about the documentary, um, and that has been the hardest thing I've ever um, had to take on. And the reason being, and, and I'm going to be really honest, is I have to trust outside entities in a way that is uncomfortable for me. And when it comes down to it, I, you know, I, I have learned to not micromanage and not try to do all the parts. You know, when you build a car, there's a, there's a production line, assembly line. And when you build the film, it's basically the same thing. And the, the problem with, and I'll just speak from my individual experience, what I consider to be the challenge over the, the 10 years that I've been working on that film, thereabouts 10 years, um, so it's a few things. Number one, discipline uh, of yourself and the people that you choose to go into business with. That is a major issue because I, one thing about me is I work constantly. So um, when I'm not gigging, uh, especially with the film, I was constantly going through um, footage that was shot on phones and shot on small cameras or GoPros or whatever, and just looking for the right moments and, and, and notating those start times, end times, parts that I want to be used. I mean, I'm, I'm really detailed with notes, but when you have um, editors and videographers that, just don't have the same love for creating something. It, it's a problem. And I've run into that with at least three um, production partners, three major production partners, to the point that I got so frustrated. I said, you know, I'm just, I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm just going to just kind of put this thing away. And then at one point, I think we talked about this last time, at one point during the production, my, my, my father passed away and he was the person that um, got me involved. I was really working to try to get the film done before he died. And uh, that didn't happen. And it, it kind of knocked me for a loop. So I put it down for a minute. And then I just got to a point where, you know, we're negotiating with Netflix and, and HBO at different times. 
and you've got these production partners that are just not doing what, what needs to be done. And, and then it becomes arguments. And I, I just became disenchanted with the experience. So I said, you know, right now is probably mm-hmm. not the time based upon the experience that I'm having for me to do this film. So I'm just going to, I'm going to put it away. And that's what I did. And luckily enough, again, creativity by COVID as a hashtag, <laughs> um, COVID really made me circle back to everything. And I am trying to decide now, and I'll probably have a decision within the next month on if it's going to be a documentary or if it's going to be a docu-series, which has now become a lot more exciting because that means that we don't have to do all of this heavy lifting at one time. We can do the film in segments, which is pretty cool. So the film is still coming. I just, when, there's a whole other story about the tequila we can talk about too that, that I haven't I haven't even mentioned that on social media as to why I walked away from that. But um, that it just, I kind of went in some different directions. And so it just it made sense to put it down for a while. Okay. Well, you, you know, you know, I've been one of your biggest fans. So I was just like, oh, well, that got pushed back a little bit. So I just kind of wanted to get clarity on, mm-hmm. on the project. But I'm excited. Mm-hmm. And I think docuseries is kind of probably better just because of the sign like you mentioned Netflix and all of these other streamers they do that's like the format that people are yeah consuming content right yeah right. so it might be in your it might work out for the best to be 100%. honest <laughs> yeah and, and you know it's when you're not a company I mean I am a company but don't get me wrong I mean essentially I'm a one-man gang with um you know hired guns there are things you know I've never taken that type of heavy lifting on. And, and quite frankly, when I went into it, I didn't know all the ins and outs of, again, it's one of the reasons I'm making this book about DJing because a lot of DJs enter the industry and they don't, they don't know the ins and outs. Well, I didn't know the ins and outs about film. And that was uh, very foreign to me. And when you have all these ideas and, and you're a detailed person, you can run into trouble really quickly. And so, you know, when my, my career started taking some different routes, um, the ending didn't make sense anymore because what I was originally writing for the ending, I was no longer going to do. So I think it was good that I sat down because now the ending is entirely different and I prefer this ending. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it'll, it'll come. I just had to figure out docu-series and I'm, I'm with you. People consume uh, content via segments and I think that makes the most sense. Awesome. So great. Well, yeah. Also, yeah, I did want to bring that up. You were part of like all of these people that were were starting their own lines of alcohol and you said yep. tequila and I just and, and there's a lot of celebrity brands out there of course the most prevalent one that's hitting social media is the rocks Terramana yeah. yeah I can't you can't escape his and then you had aviation gin by Ryan Reynolds yeah. so talk a little bit about that endeavor I know you've kind of that's kind of been re on a reevaluation kind of thing right now but that I was looking forward to that too. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally walked away from that. And and there's um I'm gonna tell you a story that I've not told on social media and only those closest to me know about what happened. But I was originally uh, a brand ambassador for Moda Tequila. And Moda Tequila was the world's first um, black tequila and black by process, not black by food coloring. And once the six month uh, promotional campaign was over, when they wanted to renegotiate, well, rather than asking for the same thing I had, I, I renegotiated for a bit, bit part of the company. And with that, that allowed me to really kind of, you know, get inside the machine and really kind of ramp up 
the way that I would kind of introduce this uh, tequila to the world. And I really uh, marshaled my resources to um, get the entertainment industry excited about it. And we were going, um, there's so much that, you know, you don't put your entire life on social media. So there's so much about what happened that people don't know. So I'm going to give you this, the, the brief synopsis. So about two and a half years into that um, arrangement, in January of 2018, I went down to Florida and met with some of the principals of the Orlando Magic and um, owners of this major uh, ad firm down there about partnering with us to um, basically raise money uh, to, to take a national. And so we were in the process of doing that. And I was uh, going through a funding round of $5 million for, for Modem. And when I came back and I talked to my partner, I was just like, yo, I was super excited. I was on top of the moon. You know, the meetings went great. You know, everyone loved me and, uh, and my partner. And um, came back and, and when I was telling my partner about what took place, because he didn't go to that meeting, his energy seemed a little off. So at any rate, he's like, Rose, to tell you what, man, you know, you're, he, had, he had the company probably for about eight years before I became involved. And not a lot had happened, but a lot of money had been sunk into it. So he says, Rose, to tell you what, um, you seem like you really want to do this. How about you guys just buy me out? Which threw me. But then I thought about it, so that's not a bad idea. So I went back to the, to the finance people. I said, oh, this is what he's thinking. And so we had started the process of making that happen. And then I get an email from Mexico, from our distiller. And he tells me that my partner is no more. That was the term that he used. And I, I didn't know what that meant. And he told me that um, my partner had taken his life, which, you know, it, it's hard to, to describe to people um, your response to something like that. Because there's a personal response and then there's a the business response because the paperwork wasn't done. So, um, and then, you know, long story short, no will. Now I'm dealing with the estate and you don't even know if you want to go forward with the project. So fast forward a little bit. The situation with the estate doesn't go well. So I go back to the partners and I say, listen, why don't we just walk away from Moda and start our own brand? And they like the idea. So me being me, Chose a bottle, chose a name, trademark, write a business plan, my, my usual thing. So we're in the process of launching this new tequila, which I'll, I'll keep the name to myself right now in case I circle back to it. Um, and then our president decides to tweet about tariffs on Mexico. And it was I'll never forget it because it was the summer of 2019 and he sent two tweets and it completely torpedoed the business because you have to think the people that were financing this were doing it as kind of like a um, like a pet project, but they weren't from the tequila industry. They weren't even from the, the alcohol industry. Um, and neither was I. So you have all of these newbies and then we hear that the president is going to put tariffs on Mexico and our, our entire operation is in Mexico. Needless to say, the money went away. And once that happened, I was like, you know what? I don't have millions of dollars to sink into this to risk. So, you know, I walked away from it myself and it was one of the most hurtful things for me. And that's when, and, you know, anyone who follows me, there was a time that I really kind of pulled back from social media. That was the time because going into that new tequila brand was kind of moving me away from DJing and I was ready to move away at that point. So um, yeah, the tequila thing, I, I don't know that I'll ever go back to it, but I'll, I will never say never, but that's why that's what happened. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, that was a soap opera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Real life kind of happened there. Um, yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear about 
your your partner um, because uh, uh, a theme that I've talked about on this podcast is my personal mental health and and, and others that have gone through some pretty deep stuff. So I'm sorry to hear about that. And and that's why I think it's good to talk about it because if we just keep stigmatizing it, things are going to continue the way they are. But well, I, I hope it works out for the best. Like I said, I think maybe it might down the line, but we'll have to see. So that's exciting though. Uh, that yeah, you, you t- that there's well, possibility. Well, here's the thing. So I am a mental health advocate too. And that, that'll be a, another podcast and you and I can uh, sit down and talk about, especially after the album comes out and, and, and you'll, you'll understand why I said that uh, later on. But um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I would rather, you know, this is someone that I had been working with for years and he was right beside me and I didn't catch the signs at all. Um, and, and, and I'll, I'll always have a, that'll always be tough, you know, realizing that in the end, the things that he was struggling with, had I just locked in on it a little bit more, I could have probably um, have assisted, you know, hopefully. But that being said, you know, I feel like, you know, I'll just say this to anybody who wants to try to go into the spirits business. You have to have deep, deep, deep pockets or you're not going to make it, period. And that is not something that I realized. I really thought you could really leverage social media and, and influencer marketing and um, and really scale up pretty quickly. And that's just not the way it is, you know. And so as much as I enjoyed that experience, unless I had, I mean, the backing of at least $25 million, I don't think I'd ever do that again. Well, I mean, even if you look at the list of celebrities that have their own lines, they're the celebrities that are like on the Ford's list. Like you got The Rock, yeah. you, had, you had Diddy, you had yeah. George George Clooney, and one of the, yeah. the, the, the newest ones that I'm aware of is Nick Jonas and John Barbados teamed up for yeah. their tequila, and yeah. they both have deep pockets. So it just makes yeah. sense that there's – the only reason they're – and even Ryan Reynolds and Aviation Gin, but he just sold it for – million last week. So it's insane. Even the celebrities that are involved with their own spirits, they're the ones that like can afford it. It's not like every celebrity out there is getting into it. So, and here's the funny thing about it is that every celebrity has looked at it, but the moment you start looking at the the spreadsheet, you're like, Whoa, I'm not risking all that. And that's why when the partners walked away after the president's tweet, I couldn't blame them. I couldn't even be upset. I mean, I was now was I, I mean, does, is it crushing? Yeah. But you can't ask someone who's really still living, a, 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 even though they have money, they're still, you know, COVID is showing you that money's not covered. So they just couldn't take that risk. And I don't, I don't blame them. Right. It seems pretty risky. It is. Especially now when. Crowded Phil. <laughs> that and the fact that, yeah, you just a tweet can be the yeah. demise of a relationship among countries. So. 100%. Yep. It it I completely understand. Well, all right. So now I want to kind of segment into kind of the music side. You mentioned your, well, I had already seen on your social media, but I'm excited to hear the album that you're going to be releasing in January. Kind of, how did that come about? I mean, because you said you weren't going to go down that route because you had no. all these other projects going on, but this yep. is exciting. This is, you know, I've talked to people a lot about this and I can honestly say out of everything that I've done in my life with the exception of being a parent, this is probably the most exciting thing or gratifying thing that I've ever been a part of. 
And, uh, and that's a lot because I used to be in a boy band. Uh, and I think you probably remember that from which one we talked last time, but I was in a boy band in my teens. And, um, you know, so I, I came from the music industry and, and I've worked with a lot of artists and people don't really know my music business um, part of my career. I don't really talk about that too much because I was in the machine after being um, in the boy band. So I really wasn't, you know, on some celebrity stuff, but this process has been phenomenal for me because what I did was, is um, I don't even know when, when the idea came. I don't, I don't remember how that process happened, but I just remember it saying, you know, I'm gonna put a record out. And it wasn't, when I said record, I wasn't referring to like a single. I was like, I'm gonna put out a project. And once I said that, and I'm a big proponent of writing things down. So I have my notebooks with me at, at all times. And I'm not meaning the notebook on the phone. I mean like a physical notebook. And I just started jotting down song titles and um no music no lyrics just song titles and then i would write a little bit about what that particular song was going to be about and i promised myself and i told the universe i said if i'm going to do this then this is going to be my version of lemonade or either confessions by usher this is going to be things that are reflective of my actual life and so i had a production partner that i've known for years and we said we <laughs> we started talking about doing something in 2015 of all years that seems to be the year um and we just never got around to it. I kind of got off into the EDM thing a little bit more and that wasn't his lane. And when I decided I was really gonna do this, I gave him a call to say, hey, AP, I have an idea and, and I'd like to work with you on it. And I don't think he thought I was serious until I went to the studio and he saw what I wrote. And we're about 50% into the album now. And, and I can tell you something that, that I haven't said, it's gonna be a double album. So my debut album's a double, which is crazy. Um, and I'm songwriter, co-producer, co-executive producer, uh, artist, um, A&R. <laughs> I am super excited. The name of the album is called Capsule. And it's called, it's called Capsule for a specific reason. I wasn't going to call it Tom Castle, Capsule because that sounds crazy. But it literally is me taking this moment in my life and documenting it is what it is. And I'm just excited. I, I really, you know, God sent me um, people that I'd never met before, never heard of before as writers and, 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 and artists to work on it with me. And um, we have not had a record that we started that has not turned out, I'll humbly say, pretty much amazing. That is awesome. I, I'm excited for it because you're, you're, you're putting all your creativity into one project, but it's also like, it seems to be more satisfied of something that you didn't know you needed kind of feel like your, your passion jumps yes. off when you talk about it like 100 percent. that that statement right there and I, I don't even know that i've ever said that but when i tell you that the release that this is giving me um as a human being let I me mean, take the the artist the dj thing away uh just as a human being and if it seems like it's taking my life full circle because i started out you know i've, always, I've been a dj since i was nine because of my dad but I started out as a performer. Um, so I was basically I was on a stage before I was in a DJ booth. Um, so this going back to the roots and the foundation has just been, it's been therapy, um, which is referenced in the album. Um, it's been an opportunity to say some things to some people that I feel like maybe I trespassed on. And so there's, there's records for that. Um, there's a, a record that is, there are two records on the album. Um, one I wrote completely and then the other I wrote probably 50% of. Um, 
that are are one is geared towards black women, but you don't really realize it until you realize it. And the other is geared towards black men. And again, you don't really realize it because it's, it's not overt. Um, but yeah, it's the messaging in the record. I feel like my spirit needed it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's always those like moments that like pop out you and you, you're like, it kind of hits you from out of nowhere. I think that's kind yeah. of what this podcast turned in for me because when I started, I didn't know what it was going to turn into, who I was going to talk to. And then I just, it's just developed over time. So I think there's always those like eureka moments that like yeah. make it worth it. So I'm yeah. excited to hear that come January specifically Thank since. You. Yeah. And hopefully there, you know, if you ever out in the West coast or I'm out to head out your way again, if we're ever allowed to travel, um, <laughs> definitely would love to do see maybe perform or whatever uh, comes of it. So that's exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah, it, it, the, the the last part again, whatever comes of it. I think that's the, the part that I'm most excited about is I don't really have, I don't know what it's going to do. The only thing that I know is for sure, I'm going to work it for a year and a half. I mean, most people put out a project and then they kind of just let it do whatever it's going to do. I'm not going to do that. I literally have enjoyed this so much that, you know, I've wrote most of the, the video treatments out and um, I pretty much know what singles, unless something comes out that, that we, unless another single is, another song is recorded that just kind of blows everything else away. I know what singles are in what order and, and why, what season we're releasing those in. And um, yeah, I, I just, listen, I've been a DJ forever and, and I will always love being a DJ, but Capsule is a global album. And when you listen to the album, um, you'll literally feel like you're going to different places. And that's, that's very intentional. It's very much on purpose. So I, I just want to bask in that. I want, I want to work that for over a year and just see what comes of it. I'm excited. I especially I'm am excited gonna... basically on what you said a minute ago, specifically for the year we're having in kind of the, the, the point you mentioned about you have a couple tracks dedicated to black women and, and black men and with what's gone on this year in 2020 being like people, some people are waking up, some people are still not, but it's the conversation we're having right now. And I think yeah. you putting that on the album and including it and not avoiding it that maybe some artists might come next year or whatever i'm excited that there'll be authenticity for of what you're saying and what your experience is so i think that's awesome thank you very much so great well i kind of in our last episode we both talked about our love and and because back then it was shortly after we lost DJ AM and how you were friends with him. And when people talk to me about how I got into electronic music, I usually and, and talk about how I like open format versus electronic or hip hop or whatever genre people pigeonhole themselves into. I mentioned you and I mentioned AM for open format. And people, I try to like look up YouTube videos of you both or whatever, because I think people don't understand what being a true open format DJ is now because like you said like we've talked about at the beginning of the episode the industry has changed and djing has yeah. changed yeah. so i kind of wanted to circle back to that because i kind of feel like an old soul because i still value the time that i saw am before he passed away in vegas right. and it was also the probably in my opinion the last great era of vegas yeah so Agreed. because you've been around 
and for those new listeners that may not un understand even what I asking, can you kind of explain what open format and why we kind of need to keep that genre respected? So I love that question. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to link it to the mindset, my DJ mindset um, in relation to the album. So the album itself is open format. I wouldn't call it open format because it's going to confuse people. Uh, but I know in my heart that because there's rock, there's Afro, uh, there's Afro swing, there's rap, there's, um, there's pop, there's all these things that, that are open format consists of, a uh, house, uh, all of that's on the album. And, and I, I did that because one of the reasons that I don't, gig at the level that I used to as far as like calendar wise as many gigs on the calendar is because this era just doesn't speak to me and rather it be a situation where I am um, dismissive of the music or dismissive of the DJs or whatever I think you, you get in where you fit in and so that being said open format was important because open format is a musical journey it's a voyage and a person can come into, I'll take a, an example from my actual DJ career. A person can come into that nightclub, you know, whatever city in, on, on the planet and just have been served with divorce papers or just had someone um, pass away or something has gone on in their life. And a, a, a well-tuned DJ who knows how to program a night could really make them forget about their travails and really just kind of escape into the music. And that's the great thing about going to, um, hear a set where a DJ is not beholden to one type of music or one BPM or et cetera and so on, is that you don't know what's next. And there's a, there's a level of excitement and, and, and that's sexy. And that's the main reason to keep open format alive. Now, open format's not the same as it was in 2015 or 2006 when I met AM. And um, it's, I, I miss those days. I really do because the crowds are not allowing DJs to be brave anymore. And, you know, on the hip hop side of things, everything's down tempo, the baby, little baby, all that type of thing. That's not for me. I'm an energy guy. So when I felt like that type of thing um, became the prevalent sound and style in, in the clubs, I really felt like it was time to let the DJs who love that take the forefront. I let them take those gigs. It, those are not gigs that I should have. Uh, and I'm OK with that because I think that, um, you know, there are areas in our career or, or in our um, industry that open format will always be welcome. And I just think that I would rather occupy those lanes right now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's vitally important because it just, it's good music and it doesn't, it doesn't behold itself to any particular era, any particular genre. Um, the DJ has the freedom, keyword freedom to basically pick and choose the best records of all eras. And that's just, I mean, there's, there's really no better way to play than that. I completely 100 agree. Uh, I have realized, because people have said with my knowledge of music and just my passion for it that I, you know, I should pursue DJing. And the reason I've gone back and forth about it is because I feel like I can't be a specific genre DJ. I, right. I haven't had that experience with AM, but I try to explain to people and they look at me kind of funny every time I explain that. See, because I will never forget the day. It was St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I believe 2014. No, mm. no, it was before that. Probably yeah. 2012. 
you know, it was a long time ago, but also I remember it so vividly because what was so great about his is that he played what he wanted to hear. He didn't play what the crowd yep. wanted to hear. And what was great yep. about that is that it also made me as somebody in that club present with what the music was playing. So if yep. he was able to flawlessly mix smells like teen spirit with Michael Jackson's black or white, it just made sense for that moment because yep. of the, of the, the guitar riffs or, or the lyrics making sense or, and then at one point E40 showed up and did, did, uh, you know, he was just there in the club that night and then AM had a nod to him and it was just organic. And the thing is, is that you didn't see the crowd react negative to, to that. I saw right. more people stay on the dance floor and take less trips to bar, to the bar in a club than I've ever seen in a club since then. And I've been to a lot of clubs since then. So right. I, that's kind of why I wanted to kind of bring this back up and talk to you about it, because it's hard to get from somebody that's been an open format DJ like yourself, and you've done it for so long, to explain to those that that's kind of an art that needs to like be reinvigorated somehow. Because yeah. for I just feel like in this day and age, you go to clubs and it's like it has to be a hip hop night or it has to be a techno night or it has to be trance night it has to be and you can't dj outside of that unless unless it's a specific dj that i follow who he does these like epic marathon set club nights called open to close mm -hmm. but right. the reason i love those is because he takes you on the journey that you mentioned like mm -hmm. it takes you on a journey not oh i have to play these 15 tracks in an hour or whatever it is right. Right. so i kind of just wanted to circle back on that from your perspective uh knowing kind of what you've done and, and how we talked about it the last time you were on the podcast. All right. Well, I love that we got to chat again and I don't want to keep you too long on your Saturday, but oh, you do. We're good. Uh, um, so I'm excited for all these projects uh, because um, like I said, we've talked for years and I think it's great that you're mentoring people specifically at this time when people don't really know what they're going to do with their careers. Um, yeah during COVID. So it's awesome that you started these classes. Are you scheduling more? Are you going to do another, like a third six week yeah. course coming up? Yeah. Yeah. This, the, the next one I believe is uh, October 3rd. I think it's when it starts. Uh, this is something that is a part of my life now. And so as, as far as I'm concerned, um, you know, COVID has given me another extension of my career and, you know, I, as someone like a lot of people don't know about like uh, my scholastic uh, life as well. So, you know, being a Harvard distance student, I mean, hope, hopefully at one point, you know, I can have a guest situation where I can take this, you know, we pray for the scientists that we can finally get out of the house. But um, I would like to be able to take this to a campus and do like these like, kind of mini things on, on certain campuses. But yeah, I'm actually going to continue to do it. And, and before we go, I do want to um, just mention DJs Against Hunger, um, which is something that I started a I think that might have been 2015 too. I think that was a, a weird year for me. But uh, it is something that because of uh, hunger and security, we're really scaling up this year and we're really making the effort to get DJs across the country to be involved with that. And it's real simple. It really on, um, I think that one is October. That one might be October 3rd. I think I must, oh no, that's September 19th. That's September 19th. And what it is is that DJs um, and even non-DJs, people who love DJ culture, Go to your local Kroger, local Publix, wherever the grocery store near you is. Um, spend $10 and get canned food. Um, 
do it as a, as a group, even if you're socially distanced, you know, you can, you can literally do it virtually with other DJs, people in your, in your uh, area and provide that, that um, help to the food banks in your city and, and document the process and put it on social media and get people aware of food insecurity that's really, uh, really affecting families out there. So DJs Against Hunger is something else that is really near and dear to my heart. Um, I just think that I'm in a different part of my career at this point. Like you talked about open format. I, the, the opportunities are not as great as they once were. And that, that's sad. But that being said, I really feel like my time in the booth, and I'm not saying that I'm retiring, but I'm definitely saying that I'm scaling back to really kind of play a little bit more of the, um, the business side of, of our business. And, and I think it's time for that. I think that that makes sense. And um, the album, the book, the classes uh, allows me to do that. So, yeah, I just, you know, it's always good to be able to talk to you and, and really uh, kind of catch up on, on one another's lives and career. And uh, I look forward to doing this again after, after the album is out, because I'm really curious to see what you're, you're going to say about certain things that are on it. I definitely uh, come 2021. We'll definitely circle back around album release time because yeah, I think it's important to have that conversation. So I'm excited. Well, thanks again. And for those listeners out there, where can we find you on social media? We're redoing the, the website to really uh, coincide with the album and it should be live at the end of October. So that'll be imroast.com. Um, as far as social media, my primary social media that I use currently is I am Rose on Instagram. Uh, we are rebooting um, the YouTube the, to, to take care of all these different things that are going to happen with the album. That is YouTube superstar DJ Rose. And um, yeah, those will be the main ones that I use. I'm not a TikToker and I'm not trying to go down that road. So, so Me neither. I'm, yeah, I won't be on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a thing. But yeah, I am roast.com and, uh, and on Instagram, I, I am roast. Uh, I A M R O S. Right, Follow well, me, LinkedIn. Let's do it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me again. Always. Thank you so much, bro. Keep, keep up the great work. Thank you for listening to Trending Topics with BB. Hope you enjoyed the episode. To show your support and join the community, please become a patron at patreon.com slash TT with BB, where you can get exclusive access to episodes and more for as low as a George Washington, which is $1, and as high as an Alexander Hamilton, which is $10. Your support on Patreon would mean the world to me. And then all additional information on this podcast can be found at trendingtopicswithbbpodcast.com. And if you have any comments, questions, concerns, or inquiries, please email at ttwithbbpod at gmail.com. Thank you.